G'day everybody and welcome to episode 15 of Expand the Phantom podcast. Uh, of course, I'm joined once again by Jermaine Parker. How are you, Jermaine? Not bad yourself, mate? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Um, it's been a while. It has been a while, yes. But we have a long, well, maybe we don't know how long it'll go for, but we've got a lot of stuff to cover to make up for it. So hopefully people will get their listening time worth out of it. Um, so this episode is just going to be basically news and uh, new issues, uh, through issues. So well, I suppose we should just get stuck straight into it, unless there's anything you wanted to mention beforehand, Jermaine? No, I guess that's probably it. Um, I reckon, yeah, let's get started. Right, yeah. Well, the first uh, piece of news that we have is the Hermes Press Oversized Sundays Collection. Um, this thing looks extremely cool if you have enough money to buy it. It's um, 88.36 US on Amazon or 124.25 Australian on Book Depository. It's limited to a thousand copies, um, so it's very much a, co- a collector's edition, and it's absolutely huge, measuring in at 18 by 13 inches or um, 45.7 by 33 centimeters. So, yes, very much oversized. Basically, what it contains from um, the information I've read is it reprints the some of the stories from the original Volume 1 Sunday's uh, collection that Hermes did, but it prints it at the size that it would have been in the newspapers in the, um, the 1930s. So basically it's the closest uh, reproduction to how it was originally seen as you can get if you don't have the original newspapers. Um, is this something you think you're going to get, Jermaine? Yeah, I think it will be. I've actually managed to pick up a Sunday from the 1943, mm-hmm. um, and it's a half page, and it's very big indeed. It's like it's bigger than a free comic, basically. It's almost the size of two. Yeah. So, um, you know, this is what they this is what they looked like before. Um, you know, when newspapers were uh, had you know like multiple pages of comics and all that, so it should be interesting how they managed to do it. Yeah, um, yeah. So no, I'm looking forward to it. Well, um, oversized uh, editions have been become rather popular of late. Um, I know there's a few other companies that uh, I think I do. Dick Tracy um, is one, and there was another one I read recently. I can't remember the title where they've printed them at the actual newspaper size as well. And then they've um, done what they're calling artist editions of regular comics, where they print the comic at the actual size the artist draws the pencils at. So there yeah. seems there's definitely a market for these things out there. Unfortunately, I think at 125 bucks, it's a little bit out of my price range. Um, but, yeah, it sounds really cool. Sounds I think cool. the good thing about it is the fact that they have um, done a, a minimal release. So it's like it's a good way of testing the waters. Yeah, exactly. Um, like... You know, there's nothing worse than having excess stock and not being able to sell it. But with only, what was it, about 100? A 1,000. A 1,000. So, yeah. you know, that's not too much that they have, um, you know, if they only sell, you know, 70, 80% of it, there's yeah. still, you know, there's not going to be that much of a waste. So, no, I, I think it's I think it's a good idea. I like, I've, I've heard a lot of good things about um, uh, the boss of Herms. Um, just through, you know, talking to people and stuff. So, 
Um, you know, if if majority of what I have been told and is true, which I you know I believe it is because I trust the people that have told me. Um, you know, he's got the best interests of the fan and the heart. Uh, he he's obviously a traditionalist because he's been doing you know the original Sundays and and the dailies and stuff like that. So that that bodes well as as well, I would think. So um yeah. And you, yeah, you can so. sort of t- tell that as well with an ongoing series that's due to start next month. It's set in the 30s, I think. Like, it's very much set in the same time as when The Phantom originally was being published. Um, mm. It's basically a period piece. So, yeah, like you say, he's definitely sticking with the um, traditional Phantom, which is good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so it's obvious he, he cares about it. So, um, yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to this. Whether I get it or not really depends on um, uh, on a lot of things. Um, at the moment, my last job didn't quite work out, so uh, I'm a freelancer at the moment, and I've got a daughter due in a couple of months, and so you know a lot of things depend on on that type of stuff. But you know, yeah. if everything goes according to plan, I'll definitely be getting myself one. Cool. Um, well, I, th- I think that it's going to be interesting to see how successful it is because obviously if it's successful they're going to do more but um the Hermes I I can't find the sales figures right now I'm just doing a quick search for them but I think the Hermes collectors do sell fairly well the regular ones so it'll be very interesting to see how how this goes um I know the like the first the first dailies the issue one that's been sold out um but they've actually re-released that first book um, yeah. You know, to get to get the first printing, you know, um, you don't see one selling for under three hundred dollars or under two hundred dollars. Yeah, it's these very days. much in demand. Um, you know, I was I was lucky that I was able to get myself two. Um, but oh, wow. yeah, it's um, you know, it's it's very it's you know they are they are popular and I. I think the others are fairly popular as well. Probably not as popular because you're getting into the uh, Wilson McCoy era, and most people uh, people don't rate them as much as what they did with uh, with Ray Moore. With Ray Moore, but they're still popular. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I must admit, I prefer Ray Moore, but I still... <laughs> um, okay. So the next piece of news is, uh, I think, really cool. Um, Stockholm now has their very own Phantom statue. Um, but the Phantom in his Mr. Walker guys running uh, towards an adventure, I suppose. Um, so it's made from al- aluminium. It's seven metres tall and weighs almost 2,000 kilograms. Uh, and cool. it's different colours depending on from which direction you look at. Um, one side is red, one's blue, and so forth. If you have a look um, at the story on the website, you'll be able to see photos of them putting the the sculpture together and the um, multiple colours as well. So um, it was made by um, an artist by the name, and I'll probably completely pronounce this wrong, but uh, Dagens Nyater, I think it's pronounced. Um, he was the guy that, that designed the sculpture, um, and he's apparently done a lot of artworks inspired by the Phantom, the, both the strip and... Um, the Mr. Walker alter ego. Um, oh no, sorry, um, I was mistake, mistaken. That's that's not the name of the artist. The artist's name is Jan Hafstrom. The other name was the newspaper reporting on it. Sorry about that. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's really cool. I'd love to walk down the street and see a giant Mr. Walker statue or sculpture, I should say. What it reminds it? it reminds me of a Tintin piece, like like just you know whether it's the style or something. But when I see it, I yeah. think of Tintin. No, I can see um, that. I think it is that the style because um, Peugeot had a very simplistic style as well. Yeah. Was it was it for I don't know an art expedition or or anything like that, or was it just some random guy putting up something? I must say. Well, he's an established artist in Sweden, and I would say a lot of the articles that reported are in Swedish, so I couldn't read them, but it looks like it's just a community art initiative, a council art initiative or a government one. They have have them a lot in Canberra and here locally in Newcastle as well, where the the council or the government will commission a known artist to create an artwork specifically for a certain spot. So I would say it's something to do with that. And because, um, you know, the Phantom's quite popular in Sweden and um, comics and especially older ones with the style of Ray Moore and Wilson McCoy and those guys is very much considered pop art nowadays. I'd say it, pr- it probably fit um, fit well. And also the, the people that commissioned the statue would have known that he's... Um, a lot of his work is related around the Phantom, so it was probably intentional, I would say. Um, that's just from my personal experience with these sort of things. I could be completely wrong, but that's just my educated guess. Yeah. No, it was. Um, it's good to see. It's good to see the Phantom being more than just a um, a comic or a, a nostalgic comic that people read as a um, you know, back as a kid or something like that. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's surprising how much um, I suppose popularity is not the right word, but um, how many people know who the Phantom is even just by looking at him. Um, you know, they may have never read an issue of the comic, but they know who he is. Uh, last night, I actually went out um, uh, to the local game shop for a magic night, and I was wearing a Phantom shirt. And about five people came up to me and who, you know, I sort of know them because they're at the thing, but I don't know them well, came up to me and commented on the shirt. So he's obviously got um, a visual presence within the within the culture of Australia and, of course, Sweden as well. So I, I think, th- yeah, I think the Phantom's like one of those, one of those comics that most people start off with. Yeah. You know, yeah. um... But I guess that's the the problem um, is that it's something you start off with, but you know a lot of people don't stick with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think it still has that um, stigma, I guess, of being your dad's hero or your grandfather's hero, which you know, in yeah. the promotional material for the last Phantom, Dynamite was trying to get out from under that, where you know the the posters and stuff said not your father's ghost who walks and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think yeah. that's definitely that stigma still attached to the character. But with new publishers coming in and doing stuff like um, Dynamite and now Hermes, then, you know, that may change. Yeah, I, I guess, I guess um, you know, having the new Hermes story, I guess, you know, playing devil's advocate is, will it work for today's younger generation? 
if the storyline is set in um, in the 1930s. Well, I suppose it. Um, I suppose it all depends on how well it's written, uh, because if you look at uh, just the first example that pops into my head, Indiana Jones, there's kids that I teach who are you know you're seven, you're eight, and they love those movies, and they're set you know um, around that period. I think it's the Second World War. It's it's set so it's um, a little bit later, but they they still really like the the movie because you know the action and the characters and it being so well done. It's, I don't think the um, the period is really a block. I think it's more the quality of the the final piece. So yeah, if it's well done, I think I think younger kids and younger readers will enjoy it. But yeah, let's we'll wait and see. Yeah, um, sidetracked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway, right. So let's move on to the next uh, news story. Now, this this is something I posted up because I thought uh, it was important. Comics for Cause, uh, which is an initiative um, that was spearheaded by King's Comics in Sydney, and they also do stuff at the Supernova Expo here in Australia and um, the Kapow Comic Book Show, which is a YouTube sort of comic review um, and news program put on by Kings, um, are, are all involved in Comics for Cause, which is basically the idea behind it is us as readers donate any comics that we may not want anymore because either we're I know, replacing them with trades or we just don't want them or, you know, for whatever reason. And they take those comics and they give them to people with learning or reading difficulties, both kids and adults. So they're basically using comics as an educational resource, which um, I think is brilliant because um, if you talk to comic readers, um, a lot will say that comics are what got them into reading and um, a lot of people will will say that they probably wouldn't be at the level of, uh, I suppose, literary skill as, that they are now if it wasn't, wasn't for comics. And I've talked about this on the podcast before. Um, with my own experiences, so I posted it up there because I thought it was a um, a very good, very good cause, and it's showing that comics aren't just full of dudes in tights and capes; they actually have legitimate um, literary literary meaning. So, unfortunately, uh, it seems that the only place you can actually donate the books at the moment is in King's Comics in Sydney. So, if you're not near Sydney, you know it might be a bit tricky. I have contacted. Um, comics for Cause, asking if there's any other way people can donate, but I haven't heard back yet, so hopefully we'll hear something soon. Um, yeah, de- definitely. Yeah. I know. Um, I know over over here in Perth, there's a um, there's a local school that uh, that deals with all like the troubled youth, like the ones that have been kicked out of um, several high schools and, and yeah. stuff, and and they um, uh, they also are you know have collected comic books and. And stuff from, and others, you know, other stuff like that to encourage them to read. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, you know, I think it is a, a great cause. Um, and as as you've said, you know, people, you know, that's about the only thing I read these days are comics. Um, and you know, I know I know people that have started off with comics and then, you know, gotten into books and you know yeah. and stuff like that as well. So yeah, no, it's definitely a good cause. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so I suppose the next thing we should move on to is unfortunately some sad news where um, Buster Jones uh, or Elwood, uh, sorry Edward J. 
uh, oh, I'm having a shock. Sorry, Edward L. Buster Jones, um, who is best known to we Phantom fans as the vo- voice of Luther from Defenders of the Earth, who sadly passed away. Um, I didn't actually know how prolific he was until I read the uh, news about his passing, and it listed just how much stuff he has done. I obviously knew he did Lothar, and I knew he did Winston Zedmore in the real Ghostbusters and Extreme Ghostbusters, because I'm a big fan of both of those, but the the list of stuff he has done, he has to be one of the most prolific uh, voice actors, I think, in the world. But, um, yes, unfortunately he passed away at the age of 71, so um, another member of Phantom History has sadly passed. Um, so was, was, he, was he the voice... Oh, I must admit, I'm not a Ghostbusters uh, uh, much of a fan as what you are. So when you're saying you did Ghostbusters, was they, were they the movies or was that like the cartoon series? Uh, no, the two cartoon series. So we had oh. the real Ghostbusters, which came out sort of between the first and second film. Um, and then in the mid-90s, I think it was, they did another series called Extreme Ghostbusters, which was kind of about a, a new team, but... Um, Buster Jones came back and did the voice of Winston when Winston sort of appeared in a few episodes. Um, so yeah, he he was basically the animated Winston Zedmore for, for the series. But um, he's done Transformers, he's done Super Friends, uh, he's done heaps and heaps of stuff. So very prolific. Uh, so the, the next bit of news is uh, probably. The most exciting, there is new collectibles coming out uh, towards the end of the year and early next uh, from Pop Culture, who released or will be releasing um, a very nice Phantom statue in December, which we've posted about on the show uh, on the website previously. So the new um, the new collectibles are a Phantom bobblehead, and unlike the one that was made in Sweden, which was kind of stylized, this one's a lot more realistic. Um, particularly on the face. Uh, and we also have uh, heat-reactive coffee mugs, which if people aren't familiar with those, there's something that seems to have become rather popular of late. But basically, when the mug's empty, it has a pitcher on it. When you fill it with hot water, um, the heat makes the pitcher change. So according to the images from the website, you have a purple uh, skull with a black background, and once the... Um, in the, uh, the water, sorry, is added, the image changes to a green background, the skull becomes a lighter green and is sort of transparent and overlaid is um, the good mark. So the bobblehead comes out, um, I believe it's February next year. Yep, February next year. And then the heat changing mug is out in December this year although an exact date in December wasn't given on the website. But they're both up for pre-order at the moment. Um, Bobblehead goes for $35 and the mug for 13 Are you going to get these, Jermaine? Yes, definitely. Because yeah. they're very reasonable prices. Even the, uh, even the figurine is a reasonable price as well, or the statue. Um, yeah, and it's so not plastic either. It looks like it's... Um, uh, oh, I can't think of the name of the material, but a lot of the, the high-end bobbleheads aren't just plastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the mug's a little bit gimmicky, but, you know, it's amazing how many people love a good a good mug. Yeah. Um, and, you know, mugs are very popular on um, yeah. on eBay. You know, they, they tend to go... There's some A lot of the mugs are the, probably the more popular items on eBay. Like, you know, you just see a normal mug, 
and it goes for, you know, 40, 50, 60 bucks. And it's just yeah, like, exactly. it's just a mug. But, yeah. um, but, you know, they're very popular. I, I, I love the Norwegian. It's an, uh, the Norwegian Swedish, um, bobblehead. Yeah, which um, is available on Phantom's Vaults as well. Yeah, at a very, very good price as well. I really Um, need another one of those. Yeah, I need to get another one as well. Um, When I win Lotto. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I'm looking forward to these items. Uh, It's always good to see some some good quality items. Like, they're not cheap and nasty, crappy ones like the custom. Yeah. custom ones we got, you know, three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. But they're just, um, they're like, you know, they're the same image stuck on different things like a glass or a clock or something, where yeah, these exactly. actually look like they've spent some time with them. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, it you know, uh, and I would assume they'll probably have some more stuff as well. You know, yeah, I'd, um, I'd say that there, there will be more coming out. Um, Icon Collectibles is the name of the company that's producing them. Um, like I mentioned before, they've done a statue already, which is due out in December. It's been available for pre-order for a while. Um, and it's a really nice-looking statue. Um, and again, this the sculpting on this bobblehead looks really nice. And um, as Jermaine said, that it looks like they've put a bit of time in, into the mug. So I think we're going to see some nice stuff from from this company um, hmm. as long as they keep producing which will depend on whether people keep buying them so get out there and pre-order it <laughs> yeah pre-order buy it buy a couple you know yep. um, you know buy you know buy a couple one for display one for box up you know two different mugs you know one to display and one to take to work yep I'll definitely be getting at least one of each um, yeah I don't know if I'll get two mugs it is tempting but I'll, I'll definitely be getting at least one of each yeah, definitely. I, I think that's the way to go. Oh, we'll be doing the same. Get get one of each, and then you know, uh, obviously, you know, when we're when we're working at bigger uh, companies and earning lots of money, that's when we can start getting the two of each. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or when uh, some of these companies decide to uh, start sponsoring us and giving us free samples. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. Free samples to review. Yeah, we'd be happy with that. As long as we don't have to send them back. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so no, that's that's really cool. I'm I'm looking forward to both of those, and I'm looking forward to seeing what um, Icon brings out in the future. And I think yeah, um, I've, oh, sorry, Jermaine. Sorry, I was just going to say if you look at some of the other stuff that they've released, at, yeah. you know, it, there seems to be you know some high quality stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I'm I'm looking forward to it. it. Should be good. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to that statue arriving, which um, oh, it just looks beautiful. But anyway. Uh, I should mention, too, that Pop Culture does have a mailing list on their website, so if you sign up to that, you'll be able to find out um, if they have any more um, Phantom stuff coming out. It seems that Icons uh, I, uh, sells through the, through the Pop Culture website um, and, and lists their stuff on there fairly early so people can, can pre-order it if they want, so it's a good idea to keep your eye on that if, if you can on getting some more, some more cool stuff. Um, right now, I think, is that it for the news? I think that's No, we've got one more bit of news, yep. and that is the fact that Fruit has a new publisher. Oh, yes, that's true. They do too. Um, now, this was brought to our attention with uh, David Buds. Mm-hmm. Um, so we must give him a bit of a shout-out now. 
Um, as he pointed out, 1704, which is Muhammad and the Elixir of Life, it has Steve Shepard, publisher. And then if you go to 1705, it just has, it doesn't have Steve and it's got no publisher in the credits. And then the message from the publisher is from Judith. And then if you go to the latest issue, which came out this Thursday, which is the Collector's Replica Series number three, you will see that a Dudley Hogarth is the publisher um, and there's no Steve Shepard. Now, at the moment, there's no official word coming out of Free, like in their comics or I couldn't see anything on the website or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I have... Uh, Google stalked Mr. Dudley. Um, you know, so, um, so I've only Google stalked him. I haven't gone around and gone through his rubbish or anything like that. That's what you tell um, us. Yeah, so if you are <laughs> listening to this, uh, Dudley, um, rest assured, I do not know where you live. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have, uh, like I said, I have Googled him and I've looked at his LinkedIn profile and he looks like he has had some very, uh, like, some years' experience in the publishing, in the magazine uh, industry. Like, I think he was doing a Cars um, uh, magazine for about just under seven years or, or over six years. So, um, and then he's, and he's, I think he's a director for a company, well, he was a director for a, com- for a company for, for a design company which did, um, you know, like uh, everything in the design type of field. So um, I think he's – so it's it's obvious that, you know, that, that, that Fru just haven't, you know, picked some Joe Blow off the street. I, I think it's it's fair to say that they've, um, they've, probably, they've probably taken a lot of uh, thought into this um, – so I guess first of all we probably need to um recognize Steve. Yeah, um, definitely. Now, I, you know, I I'm not, you know, it's not I I, I you know, I, I don't really know why he isn't doing it anymore. Um but I guess, you know, Steve, you know, he took over at a difficult time with the death of his father and um uh you know, he's implemented the website um, the first couple of covers that he did were, were very were, were very well from a design point of view. He um, introduced the collector's replica series, whether you like that or not. Um, you know, some people love it, some people hate it. Um, personally, I'm on the fence. Um, but you know, he's implemented that. Uh, so, you know, he, I think even though he's only been, invo- you know, doing the the fandom for just over a year, I think he's he's definitely he's definitely made a huge imprint. So um, if you are listening to this, Steve, we'd just like to say uh, well thank you on my behalf. Um, but I guess once we've done that, we probably need to discuss what a new publisher could bring to through. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it's it's going to be kind of a shame to see Steve go. Um, yeah, maybe maybe he'll come back. We don't know, but. Um, the ideas and stuff that you mentioned to us, it sounded very, very cool. So I hope that uh, that's been written down on some post-it notes somewhere and, you know, th- th- those ideas will eventually happen. 
Of course, it is you know, tricky when when someone leaves and someone else comes in. Things can get shuffled up and misplaced and all that. But hopefully, some of those cool ideas that, that Steve mentioned to us will will continue through. Um, yeah. And he, and we met him. Uh, I met him briefly at the last Leaf Fork dinner. Uh, Jermaine, you talked to him for a bit longer than I did, but he seemed like a pretty genuine guy, and he definitely had a passion for for the Phantom. So yeah, yeah he. The the thing that, that, that caught my attention about Steve, I, you know, we've both emailed in extent, you know, extensively. Um, I've talked to him on the phone a couple of times. Um, uh, and then, like you said, at the last Leaf Fork dinner, um, you know, I talked to him, you know, for probably about a good half hour or something. And, you know, yeah, like you said, the ideas, what he wanted to do with, um, with the fan and where he wanted to bring it and all that, it was... Um, he definitely, he definitely wanted the best for, uh, for the character, for the, you know, the Australian, um, magazine. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be interesting. Um, I guess the thing that has me, I guess the immediate things that, um, Mr. Dudley has to, um, has to address is, um, there's, there's been a few things that from, from my opinion, but also the opinion that I've gathered from other people in the fandom world, is this two this two tone uh, title bar at the top of the comic, and yeah. also whether the replica series are actually worth doing. Yeah, um, I think that's probably going to be his immediate thing. Um, also, what I do find interesting is that some of the preview images have been in colour. Yeah. Um, of the new stories and like the, you know, like if you look at the message from the publisher, which is generally the, the first interior page, that's colour. So, um, you know, whether, whether he takes one step further and improves the, the paper again. Um, I've noticed also there's been two, uh, Egmont created stories that have not been published yet. Um, one of them is the Kate Somerset story, which I think is the one where she actually dies. I must admit, oh, I've, only, okay. I've only flicked through the story. I haven't actually read it uh, because it's only, you know, I've, only, I've got it in Norwegian and Swedish and I haven't quite learned that language yet. Um, yeah. And then there's also another story um, uh, where the... Um, where the fandom goes into um, into America in the Indian t- in the Indian uh, days, so that hasn't been published either. That was that was released in Sweden in August 14th, so that was over a month ago. And the Kate Somerset story was released back in June, um, towards the end of June. So that's two stories. So it'll be it's it's interesting that they haven't been uh, published by Free yet. So and the last, the last three issues we've got have all been reprints, including the the replica series. So that could be because um, you know Steve and Dudley were doing the um, the swap over, but um, it's interesting that there hasn't been um, any new stories, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's it kind of. Like once you once you told me that before we started um, recording, it kind of made sense why there had been so many um, reprints lately. Um, if there is some sort of you know in 
uh, inside goings on at Fru. They they might have had time to get um, all the stuff from Egmont, translate it, and all that sort of thing. So they probably had you know a few issues there on file, ready to go, and just went right. We'll print those, get the issues out, so we won't you know mess up the um, production line. Yeah. Until we get until we get sorted. So yeah, it's it's a sad thing, but um, just to see Steve go. But hopefully it will. You know, we'll walk out for the best. Yeah, I, I guess Steve came from a web design background where Dudley, um, well, Steve also came from a photography background as well, but, you know, like he was more of an online background where um, Dudley's got the experience in uh, publishing, actually, magazines, you know, weekly, fortnightly ones and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's going to be interesting because it's a, let's face it, it's a dying art. Um, there's, you know, whether it's as we discussed before, the the fandom stories or the comic strips in the newspaper or newspaper in general, and also you know print is dying out with them, you know, fortnightly and monthly and magazines that are coming out. So I guess with that experience that Dudley has is what could he bring in from a print point of view that um, could see the fandom uh, continue to build and actually go forward and actually improve on the sales of what they are now? Yeah. yeah. Playing devil's advocate again, because we tend to like to do that on the X-Band, something I think through could really benefit from and would really help the fandom uh, in both accessibility and popularity and obviously, I, I'm not a businessman, so I don't know how practical this would be um, for a company like Fru. But if they could somehow sort out a digital distribution for their comics, I think that would be brilliant because it's going to be a lot easier for people to access the comic. Um, people that may not want to get every issue, um, they can just buy the ones they want through, through the digital channel. They don't have to worry about storage and all that sort of stuff. Um, I know on this podcast and obviously on the website, we sort of look more at the, for lack of a better term, hardcore collector side of things. People that are going to buy every single issue are going to have, you know, um, their family sleeping on the lawn because the house is full of long boxes. But there are lots of people that I've um, met uh, throughout the years, uh, particularly, and this is uh, interesting, I've also mentioned this on the show before, particularly uh, younger kids, um, students that I've taught who are interested in the Phantom but for whatever reason can't get every issue, um, whether it be a monetary thing, whether they just uh, don't have a news agent near them that sells the comic. Um, I don't know if you've no- noticed this, Jermaine, but not every single news agent seems to hold the Phantom now. Yeah, uh, I... Um, I came across that a couple of times in some um, when I've gone away on travels, like over in Australia and stuff. And um, for whatever reason, you missed it, or you, you know the issues waiting at home in yeah. the mailbox, and so you're like, oh, I want to read the comic. Yeah. And um, you're going through and trying to find it, and you know it's next to impossible. Like, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I live literally two minutes walk from. Um just sort of a general news agent, and they stock the Phantom. I live five minutes drive, however, from a Stockland uh, mall, which has obviously the big 
uh, I think they're called news power news agencies that um, the Woolworths conglomerate own, they don't stop the Phantom. So, you know, a little news agent does, a big chain one doesn't. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's a weird thing. And I don't think every news power doesn't stop the Phantom because I'm, I'm sure I've been in other news powers next to either places I've worked at or when I've been visiting friends and family and they've had it. But for whatever reason... The one just up the road from me doesn't stock it, but the little local one does, so it's it's quite strange. But, um, yeah, to get back to the point I'm making, if they had a digital distribution, then that would make it that much more accessible for, for people. Um, and comics are going that way, like we mentioned before. Print, actual physical print, is becoming less and less of a thing. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think that would be, would be interesting. But, obviously, it's probably a way off. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, remember we were talking with Andreas and, um, and he was talking about the, I think it was the Egmont, um. Oh yes, the Egmont app. Egmont app's going to be released in, um, for, what do you call it? For outside of just yeah. those, those, uh, the Scandinavian countries. So maybe, you know, I, I don't know, but it, Raises a good point that, you know, that that could be something. Yeah, well, even maybe through, yeah. maybe through could even sort of have some sort of licensing licensing thing put in place with with Egmont, so they kind of sell the Egmont stuff through their own app in a similar way that they sell the reprinted comics. If that if that makes sense, if I'm getting my point across. Yeah. You know, so you still have the through name on there, but basically the stuff would be coming from Egmont, and Fru might get, you know, a little bit of a cut from it. Um, yeah, yeah, and um, I'm sure they've got the files uh, on, like, an online copy or a soft copy when they email it, you know, to the printer anyway. So you've got those files. Um, I've, I've looked, you know, I've looked at some, like, the Android... Um, uh, my previous work, I had an Android phone, and the, um, they had some. It was a um, Indian dude that had scanned some of the uh, Indian comics, and you know they had twenty, thirty thousand downloads or something for the stories. Yeah. So you know, if you do it a you know one or two dollars or, or or whatever, I'm sure you know you will get people that. Um, you know, they will want to download it while they're on the bus or on the train or something like that on their, on their iReader or iPad or whatever other device that you can download them from. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, that happens with the new, with new Egmont app, what that leads to. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I guess just from what we were talking, it's, it's going to be interesting. With the direction of through it's um I think with with the comic in my opinion has improved um under Steve yeah definitely um and I guess you know it'll be interesting to see where uh where Dudley can take it from yeah. what he can do with it and where we can go from there yeah um so you mentioned. You mentioned in there, improve, uh, I'll try that again, improving the paper quality again. Now, I would assume that that would mean another price hike. Would you be willing to pay more than $3.50 per issue of the Phantom? 
Um, because some people, I remember when it went up to $2 and people were ready to kill somebody. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that as well. I remember the discussions online. Boy, that did not go down so well, no. did it? No, not at all. I think this time when I went up to 3.50, it was a little bit more subdued, but people were still not happy. So yeah. I'm wondering what the, um, <coughs> the wall would be. But, we'd but to be <coughs> oh, sorry, um, to be honest, the paper quality at the moment is is probably the is real is pretty good. I don't think yeah. um, probably the next step is going to be you know the, the the stiff the stiff white stuff. The gloss um, sort of yeah, and yeah. you know this isn't this isn't the cheap butcher's paper, no. the fish and chip paper that um that it used to be printed on. So I to be to be truthfully honest, you know, I think the qu- the quality now is pretty good. Obviously, yeah. um, you know, it might actually be worth getting one of the getting a couple of the magazines that Dudley has um, been a publisher of and to see see what they're like. But yeah, I think you know, I think realistically, the the paper's probably about as good as we're probably going to get and probably need as well. Yeah, I think there's um, other improvements. That he can probably focus on um, exactly. before the uh, before the paper. Mm. No, you're right. You're right. Um, yeah. Well, let's let's you know wait and see what happens. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Right. Yeah, well, so um, I think I think that's all the news. So should we move on to the uh, issue discussions? Yeah, definitely. Now, um, it's 1700 to 1706, mm-hmm. um, for the issues. Now, um, I guess I'll go through them and I think you've, uh, read a couple of them, so I guess um, you can I, just give us. Yep, I've only, I've only read two. I've been very slack in not just fandom reading, but everything over the last couple of weeks, so I'm behind in everything. <laughs> the joys of moving house. Anyway. Yes, um, yeah, which is a bit of a pain. Yeah. Um, okay, so I guess the first one is 1700, which is The Path to Truth. It's a new story. Uh, the creative team is Philip Madden and Hans Lindell. Philip Madden's uh, one of the uh, newer writers. Um, now, I enjoy this story. It's a different style of story. It's, you know, a standalone story. It's very typical in the sense you've got, you know, you've got your bad guys... You know, they're up to no good. You know, you've got several storylines coming in together. Um, and then you've got the fan appearing, you know, being mysterious, you know, defeating the bad guys. Um, yeah, I, I, I actually, it's, you know, you know when sometimes you read a story and it's just kind of like, oh, my gosh, this is so unrealistic? Yeah. Uh, this is probably this is half realistic. A lot of the areas are fairly realistic. Like you know, a guy, you know, the main antagonist is a guy who's in debt from gambling. His wife is after money for um, uh, for maintenance, uh, and then you know, so he gets you know from one bad situation to another. So you know, it, it it's kind of like you know, it's like that. Um, I, I enjoy the story. Um, you know, it's it's a story you'll probably read a couple of times. It's not a story I will pick up, um, you know, uh, very often to read again. But um, the art's enjoyable, the story's enjoyable. So, yeah, the cover, I enjoy the cover. The cover's quite nice. It is a nice cover image, yeah. 
Yeah, have you read this one? Uh, no, I haven't. I do have it, but I just haven't, haven't read it yet. Ah, uh, okay. All right, well, I guess we'll move on then. Uh, to... I, interesting though, I just, just before we move on, I like that they've put a hundred and, uh, sorry, 1,728 issues since September 1948. I just thought it was funny that they did 1,728. Like it would make more sense if they got to 1,730 or something, but I just thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. I guess it's, I guess it's because it's number 1,700. Uh, 1, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're probably um, right. So, I actually don't mind that because it's, you know, again, it's, that's the thing that I did like about Steve as the publisher. Uh, probably sounds like a bit of a man crush on him, but never mind. <laughs> um, is the fact that he was willing to try things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm not saying um, it's a bad thing yeah. to put on there. I just thought it was funny that particular number. That's, that's all. But you're right. I didn't think yeah. that it is the 1700 issue. So that's probably why uh, it didn't occur to me. But yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> yeah. So moving on is the replica series number two. Now, as people will have noticed and people have already discussed it, we're using the same cover. Yeah, I was going to actually ask you what Lamp. your I was going to ask you what your opinion on that was. Um, yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, me either. Um, <laughs> I, I like I like it as the first type of cover, but yeah. I think it gets, you know, it's a little bit repetitive. Like, um, I think it would have been nice to see another cover. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it took. Just as an image, a standalone image, I think it is a very cool image. I think I mentioned that when we looked at the first issue. But having it the exact same cover for the second issue, I just think that's lazy. That's what it said to me, is that they were just lazy and couldn't be bothered doing um, with it. And I could be completely wrong. They might This might be their plan, that they want every single one to look the same. But to me, as you know, a fan and someone who purchases the issues, that's how it came across. Um, and I wouldn't even mind if they kept, you know, just the stark black with the phantom sort of half-shadowed. I just think it needed to be a different image. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just, yeah, it just doesn't... Is the back the same as well? Because I've only got a picture of the front cover here. I don't actually have the issue. Yeah, the, the cover, the back's exactly the same. Obviously, um, yeah, no, it's exactly the same. Um, uh, like, the only thing that's different is obvious the numbers... Mm-hmm. The uh, the Phantom is actually in different tones, like different colour tones. Oh, the title. Uh, yeah, the title. So, but apart from that, it's pretty much the same. Now, now don't get me wrong. Like like I like I mentioned earlier this year, I'm sitting on the fence when it comes to the replica issues. Mm-hmm. I understand why you would do it. I think there's purpose in it, and I think you know, with reading people's comments online and you know, when I've talked to people, there's been people that have really liked it. Um, I would have probably preferred it if it was a, a separate issue. Like, it didn't have a number, so to speak. So it was just Replica Series 1. Replica Series 2, instead of being number 107, you know, 1,701 and, yeah. you know, 1,706 or something. Like, yeah. I think for paying $10, I think... You know, like, yeah, I understand the cover's nice and all that, but I think we could have, you know, they could have made, could have been a little bit more, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think I mentioned Something a little bit more. Yeah, I, th- I think I mentioned it um, when we looked at the first issue, but it does, 
really bother me that it's still part of the regular Fru series. I really think they should have made it a series unto itself. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, that's just a personal thing for me, but, yeah, I find that quite annoying. But anyway. Yeah, now, um, now the second story, the artwork's horrible. Um, it's... As in the a, reproduction? Yeah, the reproduction. It's just, it's just not nice. Mm-hmm. Um, now, something that is actually interesting is, um... With this art, I've actually got one of, this is actually, I've got one of those panels of original art with Wilson McCall. Oh, okay, nice. Uh, just for, you know, total bragging purposes. <laughs> um, but yeah, the quality's, the quality's pretty bad. Mm. Um, it's, yeah. And this is the thing that, that I'm not sure about the replica series is, and I don't want to keep harping on it, but, you know, Jim and Fru have spent so long and so much time, so much money, so much care, so much dedication producing high-quality comics or the reproduction of what had originally appeared, you know, even with some panels being rearranged and stuff like that. We're kind of going backwards. You know, we're going yeah. back to the 60s or when it was just, you know, uh, you know, chop and hack. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's probably... So they're the things that I'm not sure that, you know, that I'm not... Sh- you know, I, I, I really don't know. I, I, I'm, there's things that I hate about it. There's things that I enjoy about it. I just can't get off the, se- off the fence in a sense. Yeah. No, I, I understand that. Um, I think I've made my, my feelings on it fairly clear. Um, so I won't go into it again, but I'm not getting it, not because I don't think it's a worthy issue, it's just not something I'm interested in. Um, but I would, if you are picking this up, and if you're picking it up because you want to com- have a complete run of through, if you're new to the fandom and you haven't read the stories before, for whatever reason, please email us and let us know, because um, I'd be very interested to hear from, from other fans why um, they're reading it and why, what their um, opinions of it are. So, yeah, let us in, and maybe we'll have a, more, a longer discussion um, in a future episode. So, a question, without trying to drag this podcast on too much further, <laughs> is if the majority, of, let's just say, for instance, that the majority of the fans' reaction is, yeah, not really a fan of it, do you yeah. stop at it at number four, number five, or do you have to keep going for the next three years? Um, I suppose it depends on how you're looking at it. From a business perspective, they'll keep doing it until it stops making money. So if fans aren't liking it, but they're still buying it because they want to complete their run, because it's fandom and they get every issue, whatever, if it's still making money, then they will continue to produce it. I mean, look at Oh, there's other comics from other other publishers that should have been cancelled ages ago, but people are still buying them for whatever reason, so we're going to keep um, producing them. Um, it's the same with... Um, and I know it's a different market, but it's the same with um, TV. Whoever invented reality TV should be buried in a very deep hole with every reality TV show program along with them, 
but reality TV makes money, so they're going to keep doing it. So it's that sort of thing. Um, however, if lots and lots of fans did contact through and say, no, this is crap, then they might cancel it, but I can't see them doing it if it is making money for them. Mm. Now, yeah. one thing I do like is the fact that they get uh, Barry Stubbersfield um, writing a little bit of an intro. Yeah. Now that that's one thing I do like about because it, it's it's good to I, I saw one person's comment this week on Facebook saying you know he's he's like one of the people that knows the most about Fru and, and Phantom so you know it, it's good to tap into that market or the comment was along those lines I can't remember who who said it or anything um, but I thought that's a, a that's a good point that you know the um he's He's, uh, you know, he, he has got a lot of knowledge, so it's good to get him to input that in the message from the publisher. Now, yeah. one thing that um, I uh, have noticed in 1702, before we move on there and still talking about the collector replicas, in the message from the uh, publisher, uh, Steve says, the, the collector replica series of comics has proven a big hit. So, you know, um, so... According to through with the message from publisher, it, people are liking it. Yes. But my response to that would be, and I'm not saying that Steve does the same thing as his old man, but Jim tended to beat things up a lot um, and not admit to any, uh, not wrongdoing, what's the, the word, untoward stuff. So I'm wondering how reliable that is. Not that I'm saying Steve would lie, but remember he's trying to promote his product, so, yeah. yeah. No, that's fair enough. I guess we'll move on to 1702. Have you read this one? Um, no, I've read 1704 and 1705. I do have okay. the immortal, but again, I haven't had a chance to read it. Okay, well, the Temple of the Snow Demon, which was 1702, um, it is arts done by Phil Mang. Uh, it's one of the few times it's not like it's reading a, a soft porn um, issue. Maybe it's because it's based in Tibet where it's too uh, cold for women to walk around in uh, not much clothes. Yeah, probably. Um, but the the writer is... Oh, I can't pronounce that, so I won't even bother. I'll just do, his, <laughs> just do him an injustice. But the, comic, the, the story, in my opinion, I love... The concept of the story, you know, someone who, um, who's got the phantom, who's got the good mark, uh, who's turned evil for whatever reason. I, lo- you know, I reckon it's a great concept. It's yeah, a great I had concept a, of a story. I had a flick through the issue, and I do like that idea that someone that's got the good mark isn't actually good. Like, I think that's, and I don't think there's been a story where that's happened before. Um, um, I think it's happened once. Once, yeah. Yeah, but I think it might have been the other way around, where someone who had a skull mark ended up helping the Phantom or something. Oh, like okay. Um, I think I think it's like it's only been a couple of times where it's been like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great concept, but the story, the start of the story is good, but um, it got really, um, really dodgy at about page 28, 27, 28. And that was when he started uh, shedding some blood, did an incarnation, and then he turned into a, a snow demon. 
and that was how he could uh, fake death. Like, that's just stupid. And then <laughs> the way the Phantom defeats him is by using the good mark and shining light from the good mark, like a mirror, onto his face, and that defeats him. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so you had me... The story I really liked, I enjoyed the artwork, it was, you know, there was a mysteriousness about it, it was fast-paced, it was like, who is this guy, is he good, is he bad, or how's the fandom going to deal with this? And then page 27 to 28, it's just like, okay, yeah, I, I just switched off. It was like, obviously the guy ran out of ideas and so he decided just to, you know, switch on um, Twilight or something like that and borrow some <laughs> ideas from that. Um, but yeah, let's, the less said about that ending is probably the best, better. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> now, The Immortal, which is 1703. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I enjoy this story. This is probably, so far, this is probably one of the better ones I've read for the year. Yeah, high praise. Um, now, it takes a little bit to follow, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of, um, uh, European names, and there's the whole Catholic angle versus the Anglicans versus the, you know, the Jesuit priests, and, you know, but, um, I really enjoyed it. Like, uh, so I actually had to read it twice, maybe three times before I could, like, get my head around everything properly. Probably because the first time I read it, you know, you just skim read it because you're like a kid in a candy store and you just want to get to the end. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, now let's actually read it properly. But um, it's it's really good. Now, a couple of things I want to discuss with this story is, the first one is that in this story, the Phantom is very Anglican. Mm-hmm. Now, like... Basically, the Phantom tells the son to pretend to study in a Catholic uh, seminary to try and find a book uh, that was written by um, that was written by a previous Phantom, and then and then Kit Walker goes, "But I'm Anglican," and then um, you know, so there's that one, and then there's um, you know, further on, I'm just trying to find it. You know, he's, he's talking about, "Oh, I'm not sure." You know, if I, um, you know, if I can fit in with the Catholics and, you know, I'm not Catholic and, you know, so like I understand the whole era which was very, you know, there's, this is the 30 year war. This is, you know, when the Anglicans and the Catholics are at each other's throats because, you know, they worship God and are slightly different and, you know, we won't get into a whole religious argument here, um, because, you know, this is not the time and the place, but, I've, the thing that I've always, you know, um, liked about the Phantom is that he's he's got his religious beliefs, but he is very neutral about them. Mm-hmm. You know, and in previous stories, I can't think of a story that's off in my head, but he's like, you know, I worship, you know, like he says, I worship God, you know, you know, my way. I don't, you know, basically saying it doesn't conform that you have to worship it a certain way and. You know, you can tell he does come from a religious background, which, you know, which, let's be honest, most of Europe in those days did. But he didn't, you know, he wasn't 
as um, he didn't seem to take a side as much as he has in this story. Now, that that kind of it's an interesting way of putting the fandom as an Anglican instead of a Catholic or as a neutral instead of one way or the other. Um, from someone who's not religious like I am, what are your thoughts about that? Um, I'm kind of... Basically, my, my rule of thumb is unless it has deep meaning for the character, I don't like... Um, or the storyline, I suppose. So in this case, it kind of works. But I don't think that heroes such as the Phantom should be um, made to be overly religious. Like, yeah, I suppose if you just have a passing comment, they're Christian or whatever, that's fine. But my issue with it is that you're reading um, reading a, a, reading a story about someone that's supposed to be a role model or... You know, it, it depends on how you read superhero comics, I guess. But I've always read it as someone that's supposed to be a role model, someone you look up to. So if they're going on this tangent about their beliefs and they're completely different to yours, I think that does a disservice to both you as a reader and the purpose of these kind of characters. Now, maybe I'm thinking too much into this. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but I think it should be kept at... A bare minimum. Now, obviously, for this story, it kind of works in the context because, like you said, you have all those different uh, factions and stuff um, and, uh, fighting. But my my perfect example of how religion should be um, tackled in a superhero setting is actually from the Avengers movie. Um, there's a scene where Cap and Iron Man are on a plane, and Thor comes in to take. Loki, I think it is, and Iron Man flies off after him, and Captain America goes to follow them, and the Black Widow says to him, oh, watch out, Cap, that guy's a god, obviously talking about Thor, and Captain America's response is, there's only God, one god, ma'am, and he definitely doesn't dress like that. So within that one line, you've got humour, but you've also stated exactly what Cap's religious beliefs are, and you know where he stands in the religious... Um, I suppose, community. And you've gotten all that from one line without them having to be, you know, beating you over the head with it. And I think that yeah. just kind of slight nod. So you go, oh, okay, fair enough. That's what he's about. That's all you need. Anything more than that, I don't think um, has a place in, in superhero comics, unless, like I say, it has a very specific story purpose for being there. But yeah. that's just, yeah, that's just my yeah. So, um, yeah, this story I would recommend people reading because, like, there's, it's quite tense towards the end where, um, you know, where, like, the uh, Phantom's son reveals the secret of um, that, that the Phantom uh, legacy is one son to the other. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's, there's that. There's, um, you know, he's being tortured and then, like, the Phantom comes in and, and ties it up quite nicely. <laughs> um, and so I think it's worth reading, you know. Put aside whether, you know, um, put aside whether people may think it's overly, the story's overly religious and it ruins the story or something. Okay. I think the whole story and the way it goes from one 
you know, one subplot to the other subplot and it all ties together. I think it's, like I said, it's probably one of my f- more favourite stories of the year and it's definitely worth a read. Cool. Now, right. something else. Now, I just want to, um, when we were talking about, uh, Steve, about, um, like, mixing things up, there's a couple of um, things in this one comic that I thought is quite interesting the way he's done it. Like, and this is the thing, this is the point that I'm making where he likes to try different things. Like, the cover in itself is very average, but he's put that skull in the background just underneath the end. Mm-hmm. And it's got that lighting effect. You know, so it's a nice little subtle touch. The preview image is in colour, and then it's got, you know, the speech bubble's got last printed in 1984. So, you know, there's a little bit of little bit of sly, dry humour in there. And then if yeah. you turn to the back inside cover, it's got a poster and then it's got a phantom cracking two guys' head and then it's got a speech bubble and it's got don't be a numbskull. For the best back issues and posters, visit phantomcomic.com.au. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's just, yeah, I just thought that's, you know, quite clever how that... Um, how, you know, things like that are done. And um, in some of the other ones, which I think it's 1705, you know, it talks about how you can get the comics delivered to your home address and stuff like that as well. So, yeah. So, um, 1704, now, I believe you've read this story. Yes, I have read this story. um, Mahmud, is it? Mahmud and the Elixir of Life? Yes. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that's what I'm going with. <laughs> um, yeah, what, what did you think about this? Um, now, this is a typical 80s story. Yeah. You know, you can tell the Ozkan Erlip, he's a, I think from memory, he's a Turkish artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I've probably got that wrong. Um but even Steve makes mention in the message from the publisher, the 1980s feel is obvious in this story, in this story and art, but given it is 30 years old, it's difficult, you know, it, you know, it's, it's obvious that it's from the 80s, but it's an enjoyable story. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, you know, I've read similar stories to this several times in the fandom world, um, you know, where you've got some, some form of drug makes, you know, some people are after a drug that's made in Bengala. Um, you know, so it's, yeah, it's, it's a normal story, but um, I, I quite, it's an enjoyable story, but I don't know if a kid is going to pick this up and go, oh, this is great. No. They're probably going to be thinking, oh, my gosh, what is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Probably. I, um... Yeah, I'm kind of the same. It was okay. It wasn't brilliant. Um, you know, I don't think I would, I would read it again, to be honest. It was, um, yeah, it, it was very average, pretty much, for me. Um, wasn't bad, wasn't good. It was just in the middle. So um, something else that's interesting is that this cover's actually an older brew cover. It's yeah. been redone. Mm-hmm. Um, I Actually, think it was uh, Nick... Nick from one from Facebook that pointed it out or, or someone. Yeah. So it's um it's interesting the fact that it's the cover's been redone. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I actually wanted to um, mention that when we get on to the next, the next issue. Okay. All right. Well, 1705. Talk about the covers then. <laughs> right. Well, um, yeah, I, I really like this cover because it doesn't have anything to do with the story inside, but they've reused an older cover. Um, and on issue 1704, like you said, they've reused an older cover on there too, but it looks to me like they've possibly recolored it. Um, cause the colors are very, very vibrant. Um, yes. whereas if you look at the kind of, I don't know, the lines around the explosive crash where the phantom's hitting the door, the line is all broken up, like the, the black, you can see white coming through it and stuff. So it looks like they've touched up that cover. Now, for Rasputin's puzzle, it looks like they've got the original issue, scanned it in, and just shoved it on the, um, the issue as is. Now, that may to some people sound lazy, but I really like the retro feel of this cover. They haven't touched it up. You've got the fading kind of thing there happening on the Phantom shoulder. Um, you've got, you know, they've obviously just chucked in purple for his whole costume because the stripes on his pants are purple, the belt buckle's purple, even his gun holsters are purple. Um, in the eye holes, it's just skin colour. Um, it's it's a very retro cover, and I just really like that they've, whether there was an intention behind it, I don't know, but they've um, sort of, it feels like they've embraced the, the heritage of the, of the character through that cover, and while I wouldn't want to see that on every single issue, I think it's nice to have a, just a kind of one-off thing, so yeah, personally, I really like the front cover, and the back, I think, is really well done, too, where you've just got the skull mark, the slight pattern in the background, and then the website address. It's subtle, but it works really well, I think. Yeah. Um, I have to agree with that. What do you think about the story? I actually enjoyed it. I mean, it was predictable as anything, but I, I really did enjoy oh, it. I'm sure, you, I'm sure you would have fallen for her. <laughs> well, yeah, probably, but, I mean, you could tell pretty much from, um, you know... No, the, not the probably. 13th. I know you would fall for her. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen you at Supernova. Yeah, fair enough. You get, you get caught like a, uh, a rabbit in the taillights. <laughs> fair enough. Um... But what I was getting at is as soon as the dude came out in his uh, Dracula gear, you thought, oh, well, they're obviously setting him up to be the fall guy, make you think he's the vampire when there's actually no vampires and it's going to be the girl killing everybody. Um, so, I mean, you know, in that sense, it was very predictable, but I, I did enjoy it. I, I really like the artwork and not just because um, they can draw a, draw a pretty girl, but it's, it definitely got that sort of horror vibe. Um, across with all the the blacks and the um, the the view of the ruins on um, page four, which is actually the second page of the comic, how you've got it all in black, but the fog's kind of just like they've almost smudged away the ink. It looks it looks really nice. I just really like the artwork. So yeah, this was um this is my favourite of the two issues I read by by a long way. Yeah, I'm just trying to think who did the story. Yeah, I'm just uh, looking through the comic now. I'm just and I can't actually find yeah, it. Yeah, it's not in the comic. I'm just um, ah, George Bess. Ah, okay, cool. Um, yeah, it's it was done for black and white, and it's amazing how it's done for the it's done for the eighties, but it's almost a timeless piece. Yeah, yeah. And where then, the um, previous story was also in the eighties. But, but it's very much of its time. 
it's very um, yeah, it feels very dated. Well, that, that's the sign of a good story and good artwork when you can read it at any period and it still works. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, like at first, I wasn't going to read it. Mm. And then I'm thinking, oh, what's this story about again? And then like I'm looking for it through it and I'm going, oh, the art's not bad. And then I'm thinking, okay, yeah, I'll give it a bit of a read. And, and yeah, I enjoyed it as well. Now, to be honest, I didn't even notice the covers. Um, my, that might go to show that I'm not uh, as artistic as what you are, but, you know, the covers being reprints, that didn't even come across my, uh, um, didn't even notice. Yeah, well, I suppose, you know, having been through art school and all that sort of stuff, I'm just yeah. actually more inclined to, to notice those things. So, yeah, um, yeah, I don't think it's, you know, a failing of any kind. It's just I'm more... Yeah, so no, this is, um, this is probably... You know, this is a good story. I enjoy this. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a nice it was a nice story. Um. Uh. Well, I think that's that's it for the issue. Oh no, we've got one more. The replica yeah, series. Yeah, it's three. another uh, replica series. Um, same cover again. Same cover. Yeah. I, I must admit, I do like the uh, I do like the splash pages with the original covers. Mm. Some of the covers from like the one hundreds and two hundreds were, in my opinion, some of the best covers in the whole yeah. through history. Yeah. Um, the, I'm just, just looking through it. The arts, the art, like, the replications is pretty good. Mm. Um, like, I'm just flicking through it now, and I can't, the third story, which is, uh, what's it called? It's the, um, the Grove of the Sleeping Giant. The art in that is probably is probably the worst mm-hmm. of of the other two, but in no means is it unreadable like some of the previous um uh some of the previous um replica issues. And like the story of um the first story which is the rope people. Yep. First time we see the rope people. Some of the artwork in that is crystal like, you know, is 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 you know, really crisp. Yeah. Some of it's not, like, you know, page 16, um, and there was another page, I can't remember, oh, page 9, some of that's not exactly crisp, but a lot of it is. And then um, uh, even even the other story as well, um, which is the... the Queen of the no, not that one. Which is the Queen Astra story? Like oh, yeah. that's fairly that's fairly crystal crystal clear as well. So um, yeah, like there's some good um, there's some good clean artwork. Again, we've touched upon um, what our thoughts of the what do you call it? Thoughts of the replica series. So yeah. I don't think we need to go too much more into it. Mm-hmm. But it'll be um, just one thing that will be interesting is will will we get a Christmas special because all of the 100 page specials are now the replica series. So it'll be interesting to see whether yeah, we get a Christmas special. That's a good point. And also whether uh, the we haven't seen any of those short one or two page stories. Um, 
uh, being released in free yet either. No, well, um, I remember we discussed a little little while back. We thought maybe they were be saving them all for one issue or something. So yeah, maybe that'll be um, that'll be the Christmas special. Yeah, yeah, or maybe you know, yeah, if there's a spare ten pages or something like that, you can chuck them in there. Yeah, because some of them are quite um, quite enjoyable. Like uh, the one, the one I probably like the most is when uh, Heloise, you know, sneaks out in the jungle and then she rescues some guy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, that's that's pretty cool. And there's another one where um, Jumba. Uh, he's having a bath out in a pond or something with uh, Guran and he gets attacked by a snake and then Jumba saves his life. So, you know, they're, they're, they're fun. They're yeah. fun with little short little stories and all that. So I'm looking forward to, um, uh, you know, to, to seeing those in a throw issue. Yeah, hopefully they, they print them. Um, yeah. So any other issue stuff you wanted to discuss? Not really. I think that's pretty much. I think that's pretty much everything. Cool. Well, I actually have some breaking news. Um, Casual Friday, the people who uh, do some amazing Phantom T-shirts, uh, have three new designs coming out. Two of which we know what they look like. They're up on their website now. Um, I've put the details up on the Chronicle Chamber site. So as you're listening to this, you probably will have already seen it. But um, they've got. Two new Phantom T-shirt designs. One is called Jawbreaker, which is a lovely uh, red T-shirt with, it looks like, Cyberry artwork, um, a close-up of the Phantom's fist punching a guy in the chin with Wham! in big uh, red letters, which I really want to get. That's a very cool shirt. Um, I like that one. Yeah, it's very nice. And then the other shirt is, they've just called it Phantom um, Classic on Purple, which is, again, a Cyberry artwork. in black and white, the Phantom's costume is coloured purple, and the shirt itself is purple as well. Um, I'd like to see that in real life, because a general rule of thumb is to not put um, the main colour of the thing you want people to look at on the same um, background colour. But I know it, it kind of looks in the, in the thumbnail they've put up on their website. It kind of works, but it'd be interesting to see that... Um, see that in real life. Now the third design, we don't actually know what it looks like yet. Um, it's been listed in the current previews catalogue, the comic shop catalogue, as um, Phantom Man Who Cannot Die. However, the uh, website does not provide a preview image of it. So yeah, like I said, we don't know what, it, what it'll look like. Um, but Casual Friday's designs have all been pretty good, so I'm, I'm sure it'll be very nice. Um, now, for Australian listeners, you can buy the the Phantom Classic um, on purple design through Limitless Visions, who is the Australian reseller um, for Casual Friday. However, they call it um, the Phantom and Devil, which, you know, is not really an issue because you're able to see the T-shirt when you go to the website. Um, but for some reason, they haven't got the Jawbreaker design on there yet, and they don't list the um, the Men Who Cannot Die one either. They probably will uh, in the future, I would assume, but at the moment, um, of the three new designs, only the classic Phantom on Purple is available through Limitless Visions. Uh, so there you go, three new Phantom t-shirts for you to, you know, funky around in now that it's getting into summer. Um, yeah, I really, really like that red one. Yeah, I'm definitely going to get that. It's uh, $20 US, I believe, through the Casual Friday website. 
um, as is the other one. But if you try and buy it through Limitless Visions, it's about 32 bucks. So you might want to check how much shipping from Casual Friday is and how much it's all going to add up to as to what your best option will be. Um, obviously, the previews one, The Man Who Cannot Die, you can order that through your local comic shop um, if you so wish. Uh, so, yeah, that's just a little bit of, of news I, I discovered while we were recording the podcast. So, yeah, I think I think that's everything. Is there anything else you wanted to go over, Jermaine? Anything else you wanted to mention before we wrap up? No, no, I'm pretty good with that. Cool. Well, thank you again, everyone, for joining us for this 15th episode of Expand. Um, well, I can't believe it's actually been 15 episodes. <laughs> I thought people would be sick of this by now. Um, anyway, thanks for joining us. Of course, you can check out all the Phantom News we've discussed and the issues on chroniclechamber.com. You can also find us on Google Plus at the Phantom Fan Page, on Facebook at chroniclechamber.com Phantom Fan Page, and the Phantom Collectors Group where you can share all your news and photos of your awesome Phantom collectibles. And we are also on Twitter um, with the username goes to tweets at chronicle underscore tweet. And all those links are, of course, on the website, so you can get there easy, easily. Um, I suppose the next... Have you been... You've been reading uh, Legendary, haven't you, Jermaine? Um, to be honest, I've flicked through them and I've read the, the last two issues. Mm-hmm. I think there's one more issue to go, if I'm correct. Yeah, the next issue comes out this... No, sorry, next Thursday in Australia. So, yeah, I really, I really, really enjoyed the Phantom one. Like, yeah. The, with the Phantom, and I thought that was... I thought it was very well written. I loved the humour. Um, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I, enjoy, I read the next... It might have been the next two. Um, but, yeah, I've... I've read a couple of them. I haven't read, like, the first couple of issues. Like, I started and then it just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I just didn't, didn't read them. But, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be good to, um, uh, to, I guess, we'll probably have to do a bit of a review. Yes, well, um, I was going to, yeah, I was going to say our next issue, uh, sorry, our next episode may very well be the legendary uh, episode, but I was going to ask yourself and of course anyone listening if they'd like to chime in um, with their opinions, you can send your opinions to any of those social media outlets I just mentioned or email us at chroniclechamber at gmail.com uh, Would you like us to go through the absolute entirety of Legendary or Seven Issues or do you just want to talk about the Phantom issue and be done with it? Um, because unfortunately he is only in one issue um, due to the changing of publishers that we talked about a little while ago. Um, I'm more than happy to go through the whole thing because I've, I've read every issue so far and I've quite enjoyed the story as a whole, but I understand if uh, fans just want to hear about the fandom stuff. So, yeah, let us know what your opinion one way or the other on that is. Um, I think that's pretty much everything I wanted to cover. Uh, no worries, and hopefully we'll be back a little bit quicker than last time. Yes, yes, we will. I've got my... Well, you've got your internet set up. I've got my house set up. We should be all good to go now. Okay, everyone. Well, thank you very much for listening to episode 15 of The X-Band. Uh, Jermaine and I will be back sooner rather than later. I hope you enjoy any phantom stuff you get up to in the meantime. See you later, everybody. <laughs>